Hi, I'm Thomas Cross Hoops, and I'm a seeker of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In my pursuit of truth, truth found me, and now I can't stop following him. Join me and my guests as we pursue truth together. Right, I'm excited to have Pastor Abraham on the podcast today. Um, it's hard to describe him. He's a, a prophetic evangelist, a shepherd, a mentor, a friend. He's someone who oozes the love of God, and um, I'm excited to have him on here. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thanks for the invitation. I'm excited yeah. to see what what's going to happen, honestly. Yeah. Um, I know you've got your hands in a lot of pots with the Resting Place Church. Um, you're setting up some outreaches coming up into the new season. Um, we just did one for our Jesus Lab class, so that was fun. Anything specific um, that you are really excited about coming up with uh, with your church? Well, I'm really excited because uh, officially today we, we launched our website for uh, Move with Compassion. And we're extremely excited about that. And a lot of people would ask, what is Move with Compassion? Or uh, where did this idea come from? And first of all, uh, Move with Compassion is the evangelism ministry of the Resting Place family, where what we do is we connect with outside organizations and we get our members from our different campuses, get them involved in, in community events and different organizations that we just partner with and help them. There's the organization called Created, which is for women that have been involved in uh, the traffic, tra- you know, like uh, human trafficking or involved in the streets. We have Timothy Initiative. That it's a like a halfway home for men that have been involved in homelessness and drug addiction, and or just addictions in general. We also have an organization called God Adores You, which is which is an organization that goes out and ministers to the LGBT plus community. Um, there's also Say La, uh, which is an organization that educates about, uh, human trafficking and what that looks like. So it's pretty amazing that we are able, God gave me a word uh, a few months ago or last year, I would say, where he said, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You have the people, you just connect the church with these outside organizations Mm. and, and get people involved. There's another organization called Feed Tampa, which they're like a, a warehouse for food and people get to go and they go, they don't just get a box of food. They literally go into the market and they select what they will like. So it gives them that, it removes the shame and it gives them an opportunity to choose and feel like regular human beings, even though they're in a situation of need, they're able to partake and live like everybody else. So, move with so it's linking arms with uh, organizations that are already doing some of the work. And then the website you're talking about, that's a, an all-in-one place for members of the Resting Place and outside community to find resources they can connect with? Yes. Uh, if you go to, let's say, trpfamily.org, um, you'll okay. be able to find the, the drop-down that says uh, Ministries. And w- under Ministries, you'll find a tab for uh, Move with Compassion. And people that are interested in participating um, or, or joining us, they can fill out the questionnaire, put in their name, their email address, submit it, and then we'll be able to reach okay. out to those individuals and get them involved. 
Um, and sometimes people, when it comes to evangelism, one thing that God has been speaking to me about is the redemption of evangelism. For a long time, mm. evangelism has looked a certain way. And, you know, and, you know, we don't want to point fingers or say it was good or bad, but you want to say, you know, praise God for that generation and for for what they've done, right? But I feel like in our generation, God is really emphasizing the fruit of the Spirit and going out through love, through peace, through patience, joy, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and pulling the lost through the fruits of the mm. Spirit and feeding them the fruits, right? There's nourishment in yeah. fruits, and it's going to bring uh, strength to those that are weak and literally open their eyes to see that God is good. And that God is not shaming them, that it's not a condemnation factor, but a salvation factor. That is the, the goodness of God that is leading a man to repentance. Um, yeah. In the scripture, and uh, if I'm correct, I think it was Luke. I can't forget, remember right now exactly, but um, it says that when Jesus saw the people, he saw that they were uh, harassed and they were, uh, they were uh, uh, shepherdless. They didn't have a shepherd. And it says he was moved with compassion. And because the Lord was moved with compassion, he he knew what he was going to do. It wasn't just Jesus walking around doing miracles. He saw the yeah. needs that people had. And according to the need that people had, he supplied those needs. Just like the word says that he supplies all our needs according to his riches yeah. and glory. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it's funny that you, you, you said some things that a couple of the other recording podcasts with my other guests this topic keeps coming up for me um brennan manning being one of my favorite authors and he wrote abba's child and ragamuffin gospel and for me in the season of my life at 41 years old just coming to understand that i'm loved as i am and not as i should be i think it's helping me to see others that way that i need to learn to love them as they are and not as they should be and it's powerful um because because going to the streets and meeting people where they are uh that's important because they don't need to change for God and they shouldn't need to change for us to honor them and love them where they are either. Exactly. I mean, that's a, that has been my, my whole journey with, with Jesus. I mean, I was born and raised in the church, uh, strict old school Pentecostal ways. Right. And, and I loved it for a certain season in my life as a, as a child growing up, but I also experienced a lot of the painful things that drew me away from from church and when at one point in my life when I was walking away from God God was never walking away from me I thought I was walking away from God but God had always been faithful God had never left me he never abandoned me he was constantly there I just couldn't see him I couldn't hear him clearly um but when I had my encounter with Jesus on January 7 2011 and Jesus appeared in my room I wasn't fasting I had a an experience like if I was fasting and praying for 40 days or 40 nights, and yet I was walking in sin. I was not in church. I was not involved in any church. I didn't want to be involved in any church. I was I was done, right? And when I least expected it, the Lord did keep speaking to me uh, through a specific dream that I used to have back in like 2010, where he would say, when you come back, you're not going to start over. You're going to continue where you left off. And in that very dream, I would scream and say, I'm never going back. And the Lord would say, I am the Lord. And I said, when you come back, you will not start over, but you will continue where you left off. And I didn't know that it, there was a date on God's calendar where I was going to encounter God. I couldn't, when I had that dream, I couldn't even understand 
why would God be calling me back to religion? All I knew was religion, right? So I didn't know mm -hmm. love. I didn't know glory. I had some encounters in glory, but where God was about to take me, I never thought mm -hmm. about it. I never dreamed about it. And on January 7, 2011, I had this encounter with Jesus and he appeared in my room. You know, I wasn't fasting. I wasn't um, in, in some glory level. If anything, I was in one of my lowest levels ever. I was in sin. I was walking away from God. And yet he appeared and his glory filled my room and my whole room lit up with the power of God. And when when I experienced Jesus at that moment, I began to weep. And I said, Lord, this is all I ever wanted. When I was in church, when I was preaching, when I was teaching, when I was fasting. Mind you, this was like two and a, two and a half years after I had left church. So it took like that desert period. And he said, I know. Like he knew. That's all, when I was in church, that was all I ever wanted. I used to always tell people, there's more, there's more. And people didn't get it, you know. Uh, I didn't even get it, to be honest. Um, yeah. And I guess that became a little bit annoying for people that have never seen that level or experienced that level or even had an idea of what that could be. And then, yeah. you know, as I spoke with Jesus, I was like, I told the Lord, not like this, because I've sinned, I failed, I've messed up. And then the Lord was like, the Lord was like, this is how I want you. You know, he didn't tell me to change. He didn't tell me to transform myself. The Lord said, this is how I want you. He knew I was broken. He knew I was sinful. He knew I lost my faith. He knew that I was full of doubt and confusion. He knew I was walking in brokenness. And he looked at me with so much love and so much compassion. And he said, this is how I want you. It's not how he kept me. But this is how he picked me up. It's like when you're going to create a, a vessel, you're going to create a, a jar, you pick up mud. You don't pick up another jar. You pick up mud. And then you, you clean the mud. You process the mud. You remove the gunk out of the mud. You mold it, and then you break it again. And then you mold it, and you break it again until you learn and realize what's going to be the perfect form for for this vessel. And now I feel that the Lord has called me to replicate this when I go to the streets, when I meet people. I know in, when I look at people through their through my natural eyes, I see the brokenness, I see the addictions, I see the perversion, the lust, the gluttony, I see the hate, I see the bitterness, I see the wrath, and I see the anger, right? I see the hopelessness. But then God lets me, he opened my spirit eyes. How do you open your spirit eyes? You know, I don't know, you let Jesus open them for you, you know? But when he, he fills you with love in your heart and he opens up your eyes, then you begin to look at people in a perception that you could never see before. And you might be walking down the street and you might see a prostitute. But all of a sudden, when you look at her again, you see a queen that is pure and holy. You might walk down the street and see a transsexual, a drag queen, a homosexual, an addict, and in the first glance, you see this broken human. But then on that second glance, you see through the eyes of the Lord. And all of a sudden, you see an intercessor. You see a man of faith. You see a warrior. You see royal priesthood. You see a holy nation. And then all you do is speak to that person. You don't speak to the broken person. I mean, in the natural you are. But in the spirit, with your heart, you're only speaking identity to that king, to that queen, 
to that warrior, to that intercessor, to that solid as God. You, as you grow in your kingdom identity, he shows you other people's kingdom identity. He, there's a filter of love that shows you who God sees them as and not, not the muck and the mire, but the actual person he created them to be. And then your, your answers or your speech to them is something that's going to help them walk in that instead of where they find themselves. It's, it's a beautiful picture. Exactly. Yeah. Is it, there's, there's no way that you can experience the goodness of God. Not religion. Not a, not a shaky shaky. Not two tongues. I'm talking about experience the fullness of the love of yeah. God in you. It transforms you. But then when you look at others, it's amazing. You see hope where there was no hope. You see life where there was death. You see joy where there's depression. It's, it's, it's not even a choice. It's there in front of your face. He makes it so evident. So good. Yeah, we recently, I'm in the, the Wrestling Place Jesus Lab School, and we went on an outreach um, that Abraham led to um, just have all of the students from the class practice just going out on the streets and feeding, hand, you know, giving people food, but also loving on them and talking, anything, just being led by the Spirit. And it was, it was interesting to see as we approached intentionally looking at how we could bring some kind of a, a word, a, a hug, a, a friendship. Just We were just open to let God do it. And each person we spoke with, it was a unique experience. And I walked with a leader and another young man. There's three of us. And we just had a great time. It was like, man, there's so much joy. It just reminded me of when I was younger going through Bible schools, we did things like that. And in my daily life, now I kind of got caught up in you know, family and kids and, but, but I find myself more alive when I'm, even when I'm with my kids at the grocery store, when I'm talking to someone, when I'm encouraging someone, when, and it's like, God didn't create us to just separate ourselves from the society. He created us to be a part of it and bring us light. And I'm noticing a difference for my own life when I'm, when I'm intentionally allowing God to speak through me or encourage someone. And you're just such an example of how to do that every day, all the time. And so it's, it's nice to see and see your posts on Facebook, but I know you personally, and I see you live that way. And I don't know if you noticed, but it, it causes other people that are just stepping in it. It gives them hope and faith and encouragement that they can walk in that as well because they see you doing it. And it's not magic. It's literally just you choose to do it and you make yourself available and God uses you. And I love that about you and how, how God speaks through you. And it's powerful. Man, praise God. It's so encouraging to, to hear that. And it's something that the Lord taught me in private, uh, even before I was a pastor. And the Lord was showing me, he says, a lot of people live asking the question, what is my purpose, right? We're all at one point in our lives going, what is our purpose? And one day God revealed to me, he goes, uh, he showed me that my purpose was to live on purpose, right? <laughs> so I, on, I purposely get up and I purposely go get food. I purposely decide today I'm going to meet somebody and I'm going to bless them. I purposely obey the voice of God. I feel the inkling in my heart, or I, I hear a quick message in my mind, or I'll look at somebody, and all of a sudden, you you see a person dressed down. You took a look, and you see a queen in, in royal robes walking through Walmart, you know? And I'm like, wait, I got to tell her who she is. And I, when I see that, I immediately go, I'm going to live on purpose. And the more that I began to obey the voice of God, the Lord said, um, and it's the word. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. You want to know who's the sheep of the Lord? They hear his voice and follow. If you hear God's yeah. voice and you don't follow, you're not his sheep. 
His sheep are the ones that hear his voice and they follow. The ones that are quick to obey. Because he said he supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. It says that we are his body, right? We are his hands. We are his feet. So if we feel the impulse to go, bless somebody. Just tell them they're beautiful. Make them shine. Sometimes it's not even about... A lot of times as believers, we're trained that it's all about salvation, right? But um, Or a salvation prayer. But salvation might come through a word of encouragement. Uh, salvation could come through a hug. I began to experience that years ago. One of the first times I was in New York City, and the Lord led me to walk into a gay piano bar. And I was there. I walked in, and I saw um, all these people singing on a piano. It, it, looked, it reminded me like a cheers bar. Right. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name <laughs> and everybody was so happy on this end of the piano. But when I looked at the end, the other end of the piano, there was an old man there uh, crying. And he caught my attention and I'm sitting far away just looking at him. And the Lord says, go give him a hug. And I get up and I walked up to him. I tap him on the shoulder and I said, hey, are you OK? And he goes, Yeah. And he's crying. And I go, uh, can I give you a hug? And that man just threw himself in my arms and sobbed. Like he sobbed like a little baby. Um, afterwards, he cried on me for a good 15, 20 minutes. I just held him and it was kind of awkward, you know? Here I am like holding a total stranger that's sobbing in my arms. But isn't that what Jesus does, you know? Yeah. And, um, and at one point the man asked me, he goes, are you an angel? Like, no, I'm not an angel. I'm a person. Like, for me, why would I even a person ask that question, right? Because we tend <laughs> to look at our flaws, but even in our flaws, we could be a messenger of heaven to somebody else. Yeah. You know? And he goes, It's weird. And I go, What's weird? He said, I was sitting here and I said, God, I need a hug. And you mm -hmm. tapped me on the shoulder and said, Can I hug you? Wow. You know? And I know That's that man. Awesome. If he's still alive, that was it back in 2016 in New York City. Uh, but if he's alive, I know he's still talking about the day that this man hugged them in a club, in a bar, yeah. and, and just yeah. minister salvation. He told me that he was going to go home and commit suicide. Mm. And he was, a, you know what's crazy? He was an elder at his church. Mm. And he's sitting at a gay bar weeping. And... And, and that's what God is here for. God is here to, to tear down the facades. To act like we need to stop acting like we have it all together. No, God has it all together. And this is why we need a God. This is why we need a Savior. Because he puts all the broken pieces back together. So instead of mm. acting the part, sometimes we just need to be the part. And be the yeah. part might be giving a total stranger a hug. Giving a word of encouragement because salvation comes through those actions and impartation of faith so happens it's not only going to be just like a miracle or sign or wonder we are the miracle signs and wonders that god has risen up in this season we are literally yeah. walking miracles and everywhere yeah. we go if there's anything i would tell uh, a believer or anybody there out there listening is you are a sign for this generation. You are the miracle in your church. You are the miracle in your family because God has done something in you that is so powerful and so glorious. And the world needs your story. 
Stop comparing your story to another preacher, another teacher, or another minister. Stop wanting to be like them and start wanting to be the way that God's created you to be. Because the way that you are, you're going to reach a specific group of generate um, a group or a generation of people. You're going to get a nation of people. A nation of people, it just means a group of people. So it doesn't mean you have to get in an airplane and go cross country. It simply means wherever you stand, there is going to be a yeah. group of people that you could touch or impact. Yeah, that's so good. And I've, I've been blessed to have, you know, heard you preach a few times or been on outreaches with you. And one of the things I, I appreciate about you is just your honesty, your vulnerability, definitely how you were hurt by religion and the church and your walk back with the Lord. Um, so after 2011, you didn't go right back to church, did you? You went through a long season of just learning from the Lord and getting healed up before you went back to church. Is that correct? Did yeah. I, uh, I, when I had my encounter with Jesus on January 7, 2011, I didn't have a home church. I stopped going to church mm. in November of 2008, to be exact, right? And I called it quits. It was a very political season. Um, mm. I went to a very political type of church, and I was done going to church to hear about politics because I wanted to hear about Jesus. I wanted to help the needy, the hungry, and that wasn't happening. And I've been through that process so many times that I said, this is my last draw. I quit. Um, after my experience in 2011, I posted my testimony on, on social media because I didn't have nowhere else to share it. So I was just sharing with my own personal friends. And one of my coworkers, she, uh, she was a leader in her church, and she read my testimony of heaven and glory and oh my god so she ended up talking to her pastor and they invited me over to their church and i went i didn't want to preach i was like look i'm not even a member of the church i couldn't be preaching <laughs> i uh i i i shouldn't i'm not gonna stand on the altar i'm not gonna preach i'm just testify and she's like call it what you want to call it but god <laughs> gave you the word you know you received the word from heaven and we read it and we want to give you an opportunity which, a platform to speak which is crazy because if i told you the dream I, I told you the dream i had before the lord says when you come back you will not yeah. start over you will continue where you left off and this is what god did this i walked out of church in 2008 i was in ministry i was um um in my second year of bible college and i said i quit it all i quit everything right and went through a season of rebellion and hurt and then i had this jesus encounter which that's what I said. You know, God had a date on his calendar. He wasn't calling me back to religion. He was calling me back to love. And love is a person. And I got to encounter mm -hmm. the person of love. Yeah. And when I go back to that church, it was exactly a month later. It was February 7 of 2011. Um, a month exactly from my experience. And I was the preacher. You know, I didn't accept it. I was like, I'm not a preacher. I'm not. I didn't even stand up on the on the pulpit. I stayed on the bottom because I'm not. I'm not holy enough to stand up there. You know, and yet, God gave me back those two and a half years. It was like I never stopped preaching. The fire flew in like a flood, mm. and it's amazing what God would do. That God would choose a person from the streets that walked away from church. Fill him at home with the Holy Ghost and then walk him right back into a random church so then he can prophesy and release the word of the Lord to the pastors and teachers and prophets sitting in the building. That's and awesome. that's the God that I know. And yeah. and so I, I kind of like preached there and then maybe 
um, about a year, no, about nine months later, I decided to go to that church for a little bit. And I didn't last too long there, to be honest. Uh, I don't think I even lasted a year. Um, and it was okay because God opened my eyes and a lot of the message the Lord gave me was even for that church. So I went through another season of kind of persecution and stuff. So then after that, that's when the Lord told me that I wasn't going to, uh, I wasn't going to preach. So in 2000, the end of 2012, I wasn't going to preach or teach at any church, um, for a season. Um, and that was the end, the end of 2012 by 2014, my mom is diagnosed with cancer. I she lived in New Jersey. I lived in Florida. It was such a hard season, but I heard the voice of the Lord here in Florida. I heard his voice. And he said, go, for you will see my glory. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I go to New Jersey and move. It was a painful season, letting go of everything I had established here. Go to Florida. Then the Lord in Florida begins to heal even deeper wounds in my family, in my heart, and my parents' hearts. Just everywhere. I just began to see salvation. Um, And I began to experience Jesus like at ultimate mega levels, right? (laughs) Like... Literally, my mom is going through cancer, and I remember the specific day where I was working. I worked from home way before the pandemic. I was working from home for like a decade before. And um, was this up there now, or were you back? No, at this point, I was in 2014. I had in July of 2014, I moved to New Jersey because my mom was going through cancer, and I got an apartment there. And I remember I was working from home, and I remember the specific day Jesus walked. I saw Jesus walk right through my wall, just like mm-hmm. like a ghost. Like it just, mm-hmm. and I looked over and I'm like, and he looks at me. He kind of like was a little bit exasperated. <laughs> and he's like, "Your mom just told me to kill her." He says, "No, tell her I said no. She will not die, but she shall surely live. She will give an account of my glory." And he walks right back out. Mm. And but it was so real. I got on the phone. I'm like, mommy, you just told God to kill you. Oh, man, my mom went crazy on the phone. She's like, oh, my God. Like, how is this even happening, right? And she, (laughs) when I called her, it's when she had just said it. And I go, Jesus just walked in here. He says, you will not die, but you shall surely live, and you will give an account of the glory of the Lord. And then she, she's in ER in pain and stuff. And she just gets hit with the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues over the phone. (laughs) And then I'm like, I think I'm going crazy, you know? And it was a season where there was a lot of suffering in my family, a lot of challenges. Mm. And yet layer by layer, the Lord was evident in those seasons, um, in the moments of struggles, in the moments of pain. Uh, Another time I was home, he said, get the oil. Like Jesus said, get the oil and go to the hospital and pray for my mom. And I get to the hospital. She was in the ER. She goes, why are you here? And she's like, I feel like you're up to something. I'm like, no, I'm just here. But she, I have my oil in my pocket. I'm one of those people. I walk around with a little bottle of oil in my pocket, man. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I kind of slid the, the, the ER door close to her room. I closed it because I'm like, they're about to think we're crazy up in here. And uh, I pulled the oil and I told my mom, the Lord told me to come in and anoint her with oil. And my parents always had an issue with the joy, like the joy bubbles. And I mean, we're raised old school, so they they weren't introduced to that level of faith. 
And I just lay hands on my mom, and she got hit with the joy of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> she just starts laughing. My sister gets slain in the spirit, knocked down on the ground, right in the ER. <laughs> you know, my sister's talking about she sees the lion in the room. My mom is speaking in tongues. I'm just like, my dad is looking at me like he's scared. Like, what are they going to say? <laughs> you know, so That's I've awesome. seen the faithfulness of God so many. I have videos. I There were times I recorded my mom. I'm like, the world will never believe this. And I got to see his power. <laughs> yeah, I love how the internet um, is, it, it transfers God and his presence and God's outside of time because I can feel just like, I actually took the oil before you started talking about it and I anointed myself because um, I just recently started carrying it and I've been putting it on every podcast and my wife was getting ready a couple, like last week, she was falling asleep and I was having a late one with Pastor Joel and she t asked me the next day, why did you, you know, why are you putting cologne on and, and, you know, for a podcast? And I was like, well, I like to smell good while I'm doing a podcast. And I put, an, I anoint myself with oil because I'm consecrated before the Lord. And I've been do carrying it for a couple months now. And I can tell you right when you told that story, like my eyes are tearing up. I can feel the love oozing off of you. And that's the beauty. Um, maybe 20 people listen to this this week. And a year from now, maybe a thousand people have heard it because with podcasts, People go back and they listen. Like I, when I find a new podcast I like, I go back and listen to the beginning ones. And so I just see that as you speak, that people will get faith and hear like, you know, God is not a respecter of persons. He, he will do the same for them as he does for you. He will meet them in their room in their time of pain and anguish. He will meet them in their time of suffering with their family members struggling with cancer. He will meet them in their time of pain when they, when they don't want to live anymore. And, and God is faithful to come and, um, you're, you're, as you're going to continue this testimony, you're speaking that life into people that may hear this down the road, but God's, God's outside of time. Mm -hmm. And recently he told me God's time is on time. And I love that because I was listening to a word from a decade ago and I'm getting zapped in my room from the Holy spirit because he's outside of time. Yes. So it's awesome. Yeah. His word is eternal. So good. Yeah, that's a good way to. Look it's at it's it. so beautiful. So I I do the same thing. I I I have, I have such a huge collection, from twenty twenty five years ago when I was just a young man. I'm still a young man, <laughs> but when <laughs> I was younger, um, and I collected them. I have like this huge binder with old CDs, old DVDs. Mm. I have cassettes with prophetic words, and yeah. just to go back and listen to it, it yeah. it's amazing how that word is still living it's still like yeah. it's like a almost like a microorganism that is evolving yeah. and developing and as you're maturing in the lord that word is maturing with you yeah and it's growing and i, I go through all my journals i'm a big believer in journals i'm a believer in documenting as much as you can because it's for your own sake it's for your own good when you look yeah. back and you see how the word it's still I got in words 20 years ago and it's still active. And I know 20 years from now, I'll go back to that journal, read that page, and I'm in that place. So good. It was last year, I think, at one of this, I don't know if it was a Friday night or just even a, we did come a Sunday before the Carewood campus started. And um, you were talking about going back to your journals and getting your journals and reading them. And you know, that stuck with me. I wrote it down. I always take notes during sermons. And I started this year, last fall, because I'm doing the Jesus Lab. So I'm already seeing my journals, old journals. And I started reading all my old journals and reading prophetic words. And 
the last couple of months, I've been listening to the old prophetic words that I had on audio on my old computer from 2008, 2010, 2009. And there's one from 2009 that I really feel like it's something I'm walking in right now and walking out. And I, I had the men at the prayer meeting last night pray for me, my dad and some other, you know, men my dad's age that I've known most of them my whole life. And they prayed for me. And the, like the Holy Spirit was coming on me. And this word from 2009 was, was what's happening now. And sure, it could have happened sooner. I could have partnered with God sooner, but God's outside of time. He knew what was going to happen. And I'll share a little bit about what it was because um, you've seen it happen since you've known me. Mm -hmm. um, the word was this woman that's a worship leader. She looks at me and she goes, son, you've been a wandering alone for too long, for some time. And there's safety in being alone. You know, you can do the things for the Lord and he, you know, you don't get hurt and, and you've been hurt by religion. You've been hurt by church, but son, the Lord is calling you to a family and he's calling you to come, you know, and, and basically the word, and I'm like, that's what's been happening as I've been growing in the church. I remember when I was in the first Friday worship night at resting place, when I heard the Lord say, you know, this is your church. Cause we were going to two churches at the same time. Um, and yeah, it's been a couple of years now. And, and it's, it's the same thing that you were talking about. I have years of history with Bible schools and walking in faith, living overseas, trusting God, but I was such a mess when I came back, and I was had so many wounds and hurts and really didn't know who I was. So all these years later, it's like as you're coming into your identity and knowing who you are, he, you don't start over. You still have the studies, the Bible verse, the times with the Lord. You still have all the times he's provided for you and all the living by faith and the miracles you've seen overseas. You still have all of that. So he's not saying you're starting over. You're just starting afresh with your identity affirmed and you're walking in a boldness. You're going from glory to glory to new levels. And, you know, your sanctification process is, is increasing in this season, I sense. But you still have all the life that you lived before. And he's, you know, those promises that when you were a kid, they're the same as today. And, you know, the words he gave you when you were, you know, in 2008, those words were true. Even if you didn't walk out everything he said back then, you can still walk it out. You know, it's, uh, it's awesome that. But reading the old journals is awesome because you can just see how God answered your prayers. I had a lot of mental confusion and some mental issues. Um, just very, I was, they, they diagnosed me with word curses, OCD with slight Tourette's when I was young. And I was very black and white, very all or nothing. I would get in arguments and fights. And I would cry out in this journal in like 2005, 2006 in my Bible schools just asking God, you know, how are you going to use me? How do I, you know, I don't understand myself. Why am I so impulsive? And I would cry out to God and I'm like looking at this journey and seeing where God's healed me and restored me and the peace. I was talking with my sister in Holland today. She, you know, she, she FaceTimed me for, and she said like, there's something, you know, there's something different about you. And every time we talk, she's noticing a change in my life and my, my mind and my heart and my attitude. And she's like, you know, you're, you're different. Like, I'm like, yeah, because these last couple of years I've been walking and washing with renewing of the mind and washing with truth, and I'm not the same person, and I have peace in my mind, no whispering spirits, no confusion, no anxiety, no fear, and um, that's something that took a time, and I wish I would have known back then that I was loved as I was and not as I should be, but I know that now, and it's that changes everything. Um, and, and yeah, I learned a lot back then, and I have books in those journals that's going to set other people free had I not gone through that. God always tells me your process and your pain and your suffering or your even just your sanctification process, it's training. And if it's training for you, it's training for others because you can help other people. Abraham's helping thousands of people in his life, I can see it, not have to go through what he went through because he's already went through it. 
But um, but you don't have to feel bad about what you went through because that's your testimony. That's what you always say. Amen. Yeah, I man, so good and it's so refreshing to to hear this. It just takes me back. I remember when I had my first Jesus encounter, and um, it was July twenty nine of two thousand one, and that was the first time I got taken to glory. And um, I remember this prophet. She was a prophet in my church, and it was Prophet Eunice, and she gave me this word. She gave me the story of Samson. And she shared a story with Samson as, as he was going on a certain path, right? He was with his father and I think his mother and, and they were, they were, uh, 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 he had a battle, right? He had a battle on this path with a lion, a young lion. He killed this young lion. He threw the body of the lion uh, along the path. Then at another season, he, he never mentioned to his parents uh, the battle he had, but as he's yeah. going through another season, He's walking through this path, and the scripture says that um, he was hungry. His families were hungry. Right? His family, his parents were hungry, and um, he found a carcass of a lion. And in the lion, the carcass of this lion, he found honey. Bees had created like a beehive, and they they was full of honey. So um, she told me that that was probably the same lion that he killed, right? Mm -hmm. And now years later, he found honey. So the way that she taught me was, Abraham, make sure that you write in your journal these beautiful moments that you're having with God. She goes, you're going to go through hard situations in life. Mm -hmm. you're, sometimes people experience glory and they think they're going to stay in that glory level. And you're not. You're having an encounter that is infusing you with glory into your body. But then you have to come back to earth. You have to live your daily living. You have to have responsibilities. You have to go to work. You have to open up the church. You have to lead people. You have to deal with headaches. But this fire that you obtain in the heavenly realm, this glory, keep yeah. it with you. So when you journal, what she's saying is you're going back. So in your season, there'll be seasons that, that you'll be hungry. And you'll have your journals to go back and obtain honey from your previous battle, mm, from your previous experiences, good. right? That's really I made a preaching. Good. It's on our podcast at church uh, called, I did a last year called Honey in the Bones. You know what? I'm going to grab that and I'll put it in um, for anyone listening. If you go to seekeroftruth.co, I'm going to have a page for Abraham and it's just going to have a little bit of bio about him a link to the uh, resting place of Tampa, and I'll put a link to that uh, specific teaching and anything else you want me to, just let me know. So if they go to that page, they'll be able to see something about you, click on the church, um, you know, donate to the church, do whatever they want based on what the Lord's sharing. But I think that he's highlighting that story, then we'll put that Amen. in. Amen. Yeah, it's so, it's so good when, you know, and, and, and I remember that I was like, I'll, I'll remember, I'll remember. The honest truth is, you're not going to, you're going to see so much glory, especially these people that are having these glory encounters. You think yeah. God, you'll get to a point where you're having God dreams every night, where you're having, yeah. you just go into prayer and boom, you're having these God encounters. And it's really difficult if you're not documenting it to remember everything. I got to the yeah. point where I, you years ago, I used to write and I still write. Um, I draw because pictures make you keep the memory alive. And I also grab my phone, and, and even when I'm having a Holy Spirit experience, I could grab my phone and hit record, mm. and I just let the words flow, and they're documented fresh. No interpretation, no opinion of man, but the direct message straight from heaven. That, it, that will always be its purest form. 
yeah. once it gets to people's minds, people's ears, people are going to put their opinion, their theology, their philosophy, and it starts to yeah. alter it little by little. But when you have that fresh word documented, you know, and I believe that's why many of the prophets of old had scribes. So as they were having yeah. this trans or this experience, the scribes were listening and writing just to keep the word as fresh as possible, as pure yeah. as possible, as unadulterated as possible. And you're keeping up with the technology because something you're doing, I don't know how big your Facebook is. If you have one of those pages that can get bigger, you might have to switch your account soon. But um, you do these lives where people can just hear you. And I've seen as many as hundreds of people on there at once sometimes um, come on and hear you sharing what God's talking to your heart. And sometimes it's planned and sometimes it's just impromptu. But that's powerful. That's new technology. And I can see it where it's going to get to a point where as people share these and the cool thing, again, it's outside of time because if they don't catch it live, they can still watch it later, yes. but it's what you're talking about. It's documenting it. You could literally go backwards and re-listen to them, which is cool about Facebook. I, I like how pastor Caleb says, you know, we have to use, I'm not using TikTok, but um, you know that we should be using social media for the glory of God. And I'm just afraid of, you know, China getting all my stuff, but I guess all the other apps have all your stuff, so it, it doesn't matter. But the TikTok is supposed to be like a bad app. But, um, you know, using Instagram and Facebook and whatever the young kids are using, um, it's not for everyone. I saw one of the worship leaders that does worship for um, for the first Friday sometimes. He started a video game. Uh, I think it's called King. It's really cool. I, I, um I'll have to share it with you, but he, that's his new business, and he's playing video games and sharing them on YouTube, and that he's going to do it for the kingdom of God. I mean, that, I couldn't do that, but that's awesome. Oh, that sounds, I, I could that. totally get into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you'll have to see it. It's, um, you'll know who it is when I show you. That's awesome. I play video games, and honestly, my friend Frankie, he laughs because he says, I don't like playing video games, but I love watching Abraham play video games <laughs> because I literally... I just see the spirit factor into these games, and and I if I play a, a, a there's a game like Lord of the Rings or like uh, Final Fantasy and all those type of warrior games where you got swords and shields and I mean I just go into spiritual mode and I'm like literally playing and quoting scripture the whole time because I'm like oh my god this is what the Bible means this and this and this verse and that verse and. It's always amazing revelation that I get through it. It's just very pure and childlike. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I, and I had had, you know, been sort of compulsive or impulsive. So I knew it's just something wasn't for me because I knew I would probably do it all the time. And so, yeah, I've just sort of never really been into them. But I think now as I'm getting older and I'm learning to be more intentional, um, you know, it's pretty slow at work right now. And that happens sometimes when you're in the phone and sales call center life and, you know, there was a, a season where all I would do is just watch Netflix, watch shows, always have something going on in the background. And since I've been in Jesus Lab, this switch has happened where now I have all these free, it might be five minutes in between calls, three minutes, 12 minutes, it doesn't matter. I'm listening to Graham Cook, I'm journaling, I'm reading books, I'm, and I'm just making so much better use of the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had journaled, I mean, I have so many journals from early 2000s, probably up until I came back and I journaled a little bit. 2009 10 11 but it kind of fell off i got married and just lived in the world um you know wasn't really focused on god at all and i'm just seeing now as i turn my face back towards the lord in all these different areas it is it's like coming back i do need to keep journaling 
but also reading the past ones is powerful because I know we just said this, but it's there's something that's happening as I'm reading them because again, I'm seeing his promises. I'm seeing his fulfillment of what he's told me. I'm seeing the change in myself because I'm reading how I, you know, how I was. And there's something powerful about um, just taking that time to during the day. And I, I shared a word recently with people on Facebook and it was like, I understand we can't all take time in between the day. You know, some other people have other jobs where they can't do what I'm doing right now. But if you're ringing people up at a cashier, no matter what you're doing, you can be grateful. You can take those couple pauses to think about the Lord. And that's something I'm practicing doing more often, like practicing the presence of God, like, like the, the monk from that book. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you are. There's no standard. You, we can all work on it a little more each day. And I, th- I think it's powerful. And when you see people like yourself that are living in a, you know, because you are a pastor, this is your whole life, you get to decide today I'm going to go feed the homeless today I'm going to write a sermon you know you're sort of dictating your own steps you're doing such a good job of modeling what we can all do like you said it doesn't cost much um, to get some hot dogs and cook them and take them to the street with a bottle of water and that was I I shared that with my parents I was like I think we had 120 hot dogs and bottles of water and he said it cost them like 70 dollars so you know that's awesome you can feed 120 people give them a smile and it it was less than Two people di- dining out. Um, that was that was uh, kind of in my face. <laughs> and it's the stewarding, it's stewarding of the finances. Honestly, yeah. um, stewarding what God has given you, being becoming a good steward is so important um, because you're yeah. able to. I mean, I remember when I started hearing the voice of God and God said, I want you to feed 24 people. And I went to the store and yeah, maybe they were cheap hot dogs or dollar hot dogs, but hey, I did it. And um, I, I was able to get hot dogs, water, snacks, the packing, the the foil mm-hmm. to wrap it all up. I spent literally not even $30. And with mm-hmm. that money, it was probably less than 30 because honestly, uh, it was probably like $20. And I got mm-hmm. to feed 24 people. Then the following week, I fed 42 people and I spent like $30, you know? I and- like the story you told where it was like, it was almost like God told you, like, you saw exactly the amount of people of the hot dogs you had. Like, I love those stories because I've seen that sometimes in my own life. But it's like it's there's always these coincidences that aren't coincidences, how God does things. And, you know, you're, you're like, if you have one left over, you know, there's one more person. God, God I'll get it. To and I remember I got the first time God told me prepare 24 hot dogs. I went by myself. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just obeying. And then I went out and it was exactly 24 people. And I was like baffled at how precise it was, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there were 24 people in the park. So it was just, it was such an easy trip. It wasn't even like, I'm going to be there for hours. It was literally five, 10 minutes. And then just talking to the people and using that opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is a hope, there is a salvation. There is somebody thinking about you right now. And it, it, uh, it changes people's lives. You know, we might not be hungry, so a hot dog might not mean much to us. But to those that are starving, I remember when the pandemic broke out in 2020. um, And my dad was like, stay home. My dad was worried about my well-being. And I just remember weeping because they were hungry. And it was such Mm -hmm. a fire in my heart. I was like, nobody's out there feeding them. And I remember even seeing on the news report, like homeless people crying in the street because nobody was in downtown. 
Everybody was mm-hmm. ghost. Everybody was home. And the homeless were in the street. Yeah. And nobody was feeding them. And I could not sit there and, and, and not feed them. Right? And they were weeping in the streets. They wept. And they were so grateful. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, you dared come out. Like, you dared mm-hmm. come and feed us. Like, look, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to have to do what God called me to do. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful just seeing people weep. I've seen grown men, grown young men that are in the streets, they're in a hard situation, begin to cry because they're like, are you kidding me? Like, I just said, God, I'm hungry. Can you send somebody to feed me? You turn around the corner and you gave me the... Yeah. Those are the testimonies that they're going to live by forever yeah. in this world, knowing and testifying, look, I might be homeless, I might be in the streets, but there was a day when I was praying to God and God sent somebody you know, there was one day, this testimony is really funny. A few years ago in 2019, I went out to the streets and we were feeding uh, the homeless. And we were giving out food. And this man just starts shouting, hallelujah, praise God. I mean, he was shouting like he was in church. And I was like, wait, what's going on with this guy? And I was like, hey, what's going on? Why are you shouting? He's like, my God is faithful. He goes, I was sitting here and I said, God. I'm tired of eating. He said, I'm tired of eating uh, uh, turkey and, and stuffing and, and mashed potatoes. Because for Thanksgiving, everybody takes some turkey, right? He goes, I sat here and I said, God, I want some ham with pineapple. And when he opens the cake, he goes, you brought me ham and pineapple. I was like, ah. you know, it, it's just crazy. That's awesome. I just love all the little coincidences that aren't coincidences, but, but when you look for them or when when you do what you're saying, when you when you hear the Lord or you put yourself out there to step out in faith, because like you said, sometimes you don't know. You're just, you feel in your heart, so you do it. And then you see things that are like, yeah, they're not coincidences. We want to call them coincidences. This was ordained by yep. God. He knew that there's 24 people that you were going to see. He knew that when you went out and said this or typed this on Facebook, it, it's it's all about yeah. Are we are we being letting our hands be idle or are we saying here God use them? And when we do that, it it it's incredible all these little stories that people have. And when I hear them, I just get excited because you know I've seen some of it in my own life and I recognize the truth and it touches your spirit because you get excited because you're like yeah that's God that's God you know we we can all do that just allow God to flow through us. I like hearing that teaching like our our ears and our nose and our eyes and our mouth. They're all these these portals that God wants to come invade the earth and bring his glory. And Floyd McClung's book, um, You See Bones, I See an Army, he talks about uh, in that Bible verse where it says, you know, and, and your glory shall cover the earth as the waters covered the sea. But in the book, he explains that glory is God's goodness, his mercy, his compassion. When Moses, you know, hid in the cleft, what did God do? He, he said, this is, you know, this is my essence. This is my goodness. And I mean, if we're filled with God, we're in God and God's in us then shouldn't that be what's coming out of us? And that's what you demonstrated so good. It's, it's, and I think the more we hang out with each other, people like that, the churches that are doing it, it rubs off. And like you said, you don't have to call out the negative and the problems. The It's like a polishing that happens. And as, as we watch mature leaders or the elders doing the things of God, you can start to walk in them because you're starting to get it. It's like a, a, a without words being taught. You know, it's just awesome. It's it's the kingdom. It's how family teaches each other. It's why the Bible is supposed to be a family representative and not a top-down corporate. 
um, the ecclesia. It's uh, it's government. It's family. It's not uh, not top down corporations. Amen. Amen. The Lord. I remember so 2017 as I was reading the scripture. The Lord told me. I was reading the scripture. It says, "When when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me." Mm-hmm. And um, when I was sick, you prayed for me. When I was in prison, you visited me, right? And people will say, Lord, when did we see you naked? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you sick? And he says this. He says, when you did it unto these little ones, you did it unto me, right? And then the Lord says something to me that day. He goes, Abraham, I am the truth. And the truth only speaks truth. I'm not the parable. I'm not the metaphor. I am the truth. And I understood that verse. I was reading that verse and I go, it's you. It's you are the one we're feeding. You are the one we're loving. You are the one we're praying for. It's you because that's his body. Just because a person might not be saved right now at this second, or they might not be going to church at this second, it does not mean they're not part of the body. God already knows who they are. And they're going to come into the identity of who he knows they are, right? Yeah. So they're still the body. And I remember that was on a Tuesday. The next day, I was dropping off a friend in Tampa. And I was over by, uh, uh, I think, like, Town and Country Road that way and, like, Hillsborough. And I see see a man on a wheelchair behind a gas station. He was just leaning over. And I heard the whisper of God. And he said, help him. I was all the way in the left lane. That was all the way in the back and the right. And I'm like, Lord, if you, this is really you, how do you know, help me like let the light change. So the cars go that way. The light changed that way. The cars went that way. So I was able to cut over to the right, driving to the gas station. Mm-hmm. Never saw the man's face. So behind him, I pulled up and I go, Hey, you need help. And he just goes, yeah. So I go stay right there. I'm going to park and I'm going to help you. I get off the car. I I said, are you trying to go into the gas station again? He said, yeah, never looked at me. And then he he was just kind of crouching over his chair. Mm. So I grab him by the wheelchair. I drive, um, pull him up all the way into the gas station. It was funny because I even got stuck with the door and I was fighting with the Mm. door. Got him into the gas station. Then I walk over to the front. I get down on my knees and I was just having compassion over him. And I go... Is there anything else that I can do for you? Now I kid you not. That man lifted up his face. He looked like a homeless person, but he had the long brown hair. He had the long brown beard, and he had the most bluest eyes I've ever seen. And he was crying. He was crying. And that man, when he lifted his head, he looked into my soul. And he said, he quoted scripture. He looked at me, his tears were flowing, and he said, remember this, in the end, these three shall remain, faith, hope, and love, Mm. and the greatest of these is love. I am telling you, I saw Jesus. It was Jesus. People could think I'm crazy. I don't care. (laughs) That was Jesus like a homeless man on a wheelchair, and when he spoke the word of God, it was like his breath. It went through my whole being. And I just began to cry. And I walked away. Got in my car. And I felt like I was like in a trance. And I just mm-hmm. drove weeping in my car. Because it was, I never again saw that man. And I know in the deepest core of my heart, 
that I met Jesus that day and that he gave me a word. And ever since that day, my heart was moved with compassion to help those in need. Do people understand they don't? To help the gay community. They need to know. They are loved by the Father. They need to know that they were not created to go to hell, that they were not created to be hated, but that they were created Mm -hmm. to be loved. And God is looking for a generation of people that is going to arise and bring the good news of salvation to those that are lost. Going out into a place where there's sinners or broken people does not mean we're in agreement with the brokenness. If anything, is the opposite. I am going to go into those dark places and I am going to shine the light of Christ to bring hope, to bring salvation, to bring joy and to bring peace. And that's a good time to bring up um, it's the God adores you on Saturday, March 25th. So if we get this out here this week, we have time for people to pray for uh, the outreach. If you want to share what's going on with um, with that on on Saturday. Yes. March 25th. So um, where do I start? March 25th, 2023 is Tampa Bay uh, Gay Pride March. Um, it's not a parade, it's a march. And um, we're going to go out. There's an organization, and this organization is not part of the Resting Place family. This organization is of a dear friend that I led to the Lord many years ago. And this is going to organization that God gave her. It's called, it's an acronym for the word gay, but it means God adores you. And what we do out, we go out and we bring the gospel to people in the LGBT community. We go to those arenas. And we bring the hope of Christ. Many of us are uh, come from that lifestyle. Many of us met Jesus in that lifestyle. And he met us. He loved us. He's raised us up. He's been doing a work in every single one of our lives. And we see the move of God. And we know that God is not a respecter of men, but that God is raising us up for such a time as this. To go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come. In the, in the parable of scripture, it says, um, when the the kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding for his son. He sent out his messengers. His people did not receive him. So then eventually the king tells them, go out to the highways and the byways and compel them to come. And he says, invite the good and invite the bad. Invite them all. Whoever's willing, invite them to come. Right? Mm. And I believe that is the kingdom of heaven. Now we go out and we simply extend an invitation to the good and to the bad to the holy rollers and to the most wicked sinners. Come, for there is a feast that the Father has prepared. There is a bread that if you would eat, you will never hunger again. And there is a water that if you were to drink, you will never thirst again. Are you hungry? Come. Are you thirsty? Come. Are you willing? Come, right? Churches are speaking about revival, but we're not talking about revival. We're being revival. You know, we, revival is only going to be made manifest when we get up. And we bring the yeah. good news when we begin to see repentance, when we begin to see lives being transformed, mm-hmm. then I'll say, yeah. hey, I see revival. Yeah. So it's an opening. I, I think you said it recently, and I, I know someone else said it that I respect. You know, the revival isn't for the revived. So 
if you're living revived, you, you're revived already. You're walking out in the world. You're, you're letting the Lord flow through you. You're experiencing that. Well, much of the body is tired and drained and beat up. And, you know, they call them backslidden or just not on fire. Well, the revival will sure it'll stir them up. It'll encourage them. It'll cause them to seek God and repent and change their thinking and all the different ways we talk about it. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to live your life revived. <laughs> you don't have to wait for the revival at the, you know, at the at the college campus to to experience the Lord either. And that's something that you know, going through Jesus Lab and I've had seasons of of awesome times, Bible schools, you know, certain times when you're intentional with the Lord and you're around peers and, and friends that are this, you know, doing the same thing, you experience the God in, in mighty ways. But most of my life, I, I was what Andrew Womack calls a leaky bucket where the anointing and, and everything would fill up, but it would constantly be draining out. And this is a season of learning to live in the abundant, in the vine. Um, and, you know, it's funny, our friend Christian Lang actually was talking to me the other night. I called him late at night. You know, I was having some trouble and I needed a, t a friend and he was there for me and he met me for coffee and um, we talked and he was talking about what is what is what is your job, you know? And your job isn't to bear fruit, it's to abide. And I was like, this makes so much sense. If you abide, you will bear fruit. Mm -hmm. Our job isn't to bear fruit. It's literally to abide in the vine. And I'm like, so this, at 41 years old, you know, I'm like a new person. And it's like, it's weird to think that, you know, it's not discounting your experiences in your past, but it's saying you're coming together into this place of understanding that I don't have to live a leaky bucket mentality anymore. And I don't have to live off the vine. I'm not a, I'm a vine ripe tomato. Right? I want to stay on the vine. I want to stay and abide. And as we do that, we don't have to go through seasons of lack. I understand you're not always going to feel the Lord the same or always feel tangible. But why? I mean, it says he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And it says we're going to see visions and dreams. And maybe we're just not tuning in. Um, Andrew Womack talks about how God's always loving, always speaking, always healing. It's our tuners that aren't tuned in. So maybe it's just our thinking that has to change because um, we don't have to not be revived, right? <laughs> like, yep. you know, I love it. Only the, only the dead, night. when you go into a hospital, right? Only the ones that are dying and it's literally just a little heartbeat left. They're about to be dead. They're the ones that get uh, the defibrillator, you know? That's good. And that, that's revival. I, I see yeah. revival being the defibrillator like... Dude, wake up. You're dying, right? Yeah. But yeah. those that are alive, what will happen if I came in the room and shocked you that you're living, you're <laughs> alive, my heart. and I shock yeah. you with the defibrillator, I'll kill you, yeah. you know? So I see we have Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Revivals mm -hmm. are for the ones walking in death. But for the ones that are walking in life, like now, you might go to church and you might be in a religious system and you might be dead and you don't even want to admit it, right? Yeah. Then, yeah, you need revival. But I'm sorry. I'm revived since January yeah. 7, January 7, 2011. My heart caught on fire. Yeah. And I knew that he is the life. I know that he's the life. And no longer I live, but life lives in me. You know? But we're educating. We're raising up a generation. Yeah. We're teaching and... It's exciting to see everything that, that God is doing in our lives. It's exciting yeah. to see people like taking a stand and arising and shining yeah. and literally going what God's called them 
calling them to go and, you know, yeah. being unashamed of your testimony. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. Your yeah. testimony reveals the glory of God, the power of God. The, your, our testimonies yeah. reveal that we talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of Abraham today, is the God of Thomas today, <laughs> right? Yeah. And now we get to share our story for this generation and the generations to come. Yeah. So it's exciting to to see that. So I just want to really encourage the people listening. Your story is valuable. Your story mm-hmm. is beautiful. Like, let the shame go because there's only glory in it. Yeah. That's so good. So good. And tonight you have a prayer worship night. What's going on tonight? Well, tonight we just have a worship rehearsal for... um. Our, our worship team at our campus gathers on Thursdays to rehearse, practice, and flow. And um, and then they'll lead worship on Thursday. Tomorrow I'll be ministering at a uh, location in Clearwater. And then okay. um, next Friday on the 25th, I mean on the 24th, we have uh, our Glory Soaking Night. And we're going to take a time in that gathering to pray for the on the gay pride event that's at the now the following saturday and um people come and pick and pick their t-shirts if people are interested in joining us for god adores you and learning how it is to go out into the streets mm. and love a specific community that maybe they've never reached out to love it's easy it's mm. so easy it blows people's minds away um ends up being a we don't yeah. go out to convert people we go out to mm. introduce people to jesus yeah the lover yeah. of their soul, you know? Yeah. And we every year, I've been doing this already for, uh, since 2015, I've joined my friend. God adores you, has been active since 2012. Mm-hmm. And we've seen God touch so many people's lives. And now God's opening the doors for churches to join us and experience this experience. I know people kind of walk in like very nervous and finicky about, oh, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. And then they leave, everybody leaves repentant. Not only do people in the streets repent, but people from churches repent because they thought it was one way. And then they discover, wow, this is the love of God. This is what it is to love a hurting generation, a fatherless generation, a rejected generation, an ostracized generation. And when people like cling to them, many churches are afraid to go because they're fearing they're going to get rejected. And when they come out, of, come out with us, they experienced exactly the opposite. They're very accepted. People hear them. People, people are literally like asking them to hug them again or to keep releasing those words of life over them. And then it's almost like, is this even real? You know. But it's so, it, it yeah. changed my life. I love God adores you. I met the founder of God adores you when she wasn't even serving Christ in 2007. Uh, I was home crying because I was being chained. I was being criticized in my local church back up north. And the Lord came into my room and he said, you need to realize something. He smacked me right on the shoulder. He went just like that. And he said, you need to realize something. With the same sword that Goliath was going to kill David, David cut off Goliath's head. And then he said, and the sword is a symbol of words. Take the S at beginning a sword and put it at the end. What does it spell? It spells words. And he said, and with the same words that the devil's trying to kill you, you're going to get up in his territory and you're going to cut off his false authority over your life. And then the Lord said, get up because you're going to a lesbian bar tonight. 
That night my father was upset. Where are you going at this time? I'm going to Lesbivar. Jesus told me to go to Lesbivar. <laughs> Imagine how that sounds to a preacher, right? It's like, what are you talking about? And yet I went. I was funny. I was wearing a brown T-shirt. It had a stamp on it. And it says, signed, sealed, and delivered, right? Mm. Returning to Sander up. And then um, I went in there. When I got there, this girl starts hollering, telling her friends, that boy is shining. Who's that guy? He's shining. Um, and her friend got me, took me to her. And she's like, I need you to meet my friend because she says, you're shining. All I knew is God told me somebody there needed to hear from him. But he didn't give me a name. He didn't give me nothing else. But I still went in an act of obedience and faith. And she goes, my friend says you're shining. And I was like, oh, my God, it's her. That's her. So she cursed me out at first. She's such a sweetheart now. But back then she was pretty rough. And then um she had she, she had that ghetto Puerto Rican, New Jersey Rican <laughs> attitude. And um she's telling me, oh, why crazy. am I there? Snap, snap, snap. And um I told her Does she live here now too? And yeah, yeah. She comes to my campus. All those years later, okay. I become a pastor. She <laughs> went to school in Gainesville. God did great things for her there. And that's when God gave you God gave her, God adores you. Um, and years later now she ends up at, uh, she ends up moving to Tampa and she's, uh, attending my, my campus. And so we're joining forces awesome. and going out. And I just want to encourage people out there. Like people, God might be calling you right now and people might not believe and they're not called to believe. You are called to believe. If you heard the voice of God, then you get up. And you go do what God called you to do. Maybe your church won't believe in you. Maybe your family won't believe you. It's okay. Mm -hmm. The season will come when they will repent. If God has yeah. truly called you and you heard the voice of God, then arise and shine. The day will come yeah. when they're going to go, oh, I'm sorry. My dad apologized to me years ago for that. Other people apologized because they mm -hmm. didn't believe. But I knew what I was yeah. going through. And I knew God set me free. God set her free. And God's setting people free everywhere. And people are discovering yeah. the love of the Lord. We kind of started in 2011, but I wanted you to kind of cover the the original testimony is that you, you heard God even when you didn't understand him. You were prophetic when you didn't understand it. You were struggling with identity and, and problems. But, you you know, I know you had some church rejection, and I want people to hear that, you know, when God calls you and equips you and, you know, no matter where you're at in your life, um, you have to honor what God, like you have a testament about how you knew what God was saying, even when the church around you and people around you didn't believe you or they were, you know, I know you were attacked and all these different things because before 2011, you already were on this up and down journey and struggling, wrestling with God since what, the 90s? And yeah, share a little oh, bit Oh yeah, about I mean, that. I was I was literally born and raised in the Pentecostal church in Puerto Rico. My parents divorced and around... Um, <laughs> Eight years old, my stepmom started going to church. She got saved, so she took us to church. I was baptized with the Holy Ghost on November 21st of 1991. You know, I was baptized in water December 11, 1992. So I was very active in, in my youth years, even as a young man. I was 13 years old when I got the Holy Ghost shakes, you know. I'll never forget that day. And um, and then growing up, we just the the... The church became very, well, the church was very strict. But, you know, when you're a child, those rules don't necessarily apply to you until you become like a teenager. And um, I was kind of like, um, there was a thing they called discipline in those old school churches where, like, your privileges were revoked. And you got kind of, like, in trouble 
So people wouldn't really greet you. You got to stand in the back. You can't participate with youth ministry. Pretty much a dunce cap. Sit in the corner, put your dunce cap on, and but you still got to come to church. And so the dunce cap was placed on me in um, on my birthday, July 3rd of 1997, because that day I was going to college. I was starting my, my college career, and they didn't believe in going to college, and they didn't affirm it, and they... Uh, they removed me from leadership. Everything was stripped away the day I started school. So that was the day that pretty much all hell broke loose. Um, I went, to, of a wound I went church, to church so. for a few weeks after that, but I was being treated like I was a horrible sinner for going to school. And I really felt the Lord was calling me to go to school. So then after that, like I walked away, like a root of, 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 of hate came into mm-hmm. my heart. Um, and even back then, I wouldn't have called it hate. I was broken. I was hurt, but it was hate. That bitterness turned into hate, and it was consuming my heart for many years. And I, I, I went crazy in college, like wild. Um, did everything and anything, and I was just living, uh, like Ricky Martin would say, living la vida loca, right? Living the crazy life, and that was me. Um, and then the Lord led me to, to Florida. I was at a dark place. I was literally befriended by people that were into witchcraft and a lot of young people would say, Oh, witchcraft's not real. Oh, it's real. Um, all that stuff is real, but I couldn't even accept it or understand it back then. I just, doors were opening and I was, but I, now I look back, I was like, yeah, that was serious. Um, and the Lord kind of just set me free, um, from that by moving me to Florida. Did I still have the, the struggles that I went through, yeah. I wasn't like committed to any specific church for many years. I was in college and I was that young person that was in college and I'll visit churches. God would call me out, speak to me. and But I still didn't want nothing to do with churches, you know, um, until 2000. 1998, God spoke to me in a mighty way. I, uh, I thought I had HIV. I, I was at the end of my life. I moved to Florida. I see a preacher on TV. I tell my roommate in college to take me there. I used to attend University of South Florida. And um, Lord behold, there was a revival at that campus going on in the <laughs> 90s. So God moves me to, from New Jersey to Florida to a university that was having a revival. I didn't know nothing about that. Uh, I came from a very strong Hispanic cultural church that told us never go to the white church, never go to a Caucasian church um, because God's not in there, right? So we had that voodoo of like, no, we're not going to go to a white church. And yet I encountered the glory of God at a white church. <laughs> God is just awesome. And I excuse the phrase, but that's the phrase I was used, right? And um, <laughs> I, Yeah, the kingdom, that looks a little different than black or white or oh, blue. Yeah, it's very mixed. Yeah. Kingdom <laughs> is light. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's very mixed. The Lord ended up like totally healing me, filling me with his glory. I'm talking about glory, the joy, explosions like. I had never experienced before. Um, and then I just went through this journey of like, and finally in 2000, um, I decided to go to a church. I found a Spanish church in, in South, in close to South Tampa. Um, and I was a member there for years. And that's where the Lord began to really raise me up. But I had a lot of fear and demons in my own mind that I had not battled. I didn't dare share my testimony with people. And even as I was a leader, I didn't share my testimony, my struggles, because I always felt that people would take God away from me. Yeah. And it wasn't until 2004 that God takes me back up north to New Jersey. And I'm there in, in October 2004 is when I finally gave my testimony for the very first time. And God began mm-hmm. to, like, break things off my life 
fear of man, opinions of man. I mean, just the thought, how ignorant that we would think that that people can take us away from God, you know? <laughs> and it's just coming into that discovery that no one, nothing, no sin, no issue, not hell itself, not angels can ever separate us from the love of God. So yeah. it's just a journey of discovery. Um, I mean, my testimony is long, bro. You get me started. We'll be here till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is I was talking to, with Joel. Like, we live close, but this is all done through uh, technology. So, yeah, we're going to do this more often. And if you have a specific word or something you want to promote before we do a conference or something, we'll get you on. And, yeah, we don't have to. Uh, I know you've got to get ready to go so we can end this soon. But um, I, I definitely want to link to the website i'll get some links from you and put them on on my website so seeker of truth.co will have a page um I, i'm sure he'll have to switch from a regular facebook page to like some kind of a page that you can have more than five thousand at some point because i think the lord's just gonna you're gonna have an online ministry like no, no other these live videos are going to be used to you know just heal hearts encourage hearts but speak life into situations because I've, I've been on there with one or two people late at night. I've gone to sleep before just having my AirPod in one ear, Tara sleeping next to me, just listening. And I remember one time you said, because it was like the last one on, and you're like, Thomas. And I woke up, and then you prayed over me. But you were talking for hours, just releasing words from heaven over people. And it's like midnight. But, you know, I tend to go to bed too late. So when the, I was able to, in the peace and presence of the Lord, just go to sleep with you ministering in my ear on Facebook. So that can be countless, you know, that's exponential. Those videos can be shared when they're done. Um, so, yeah, we'll, ha we'll post your name on my, on my website so they can actually find you on Facebook. And like I said, maybe they won't all be friends. Maybe you'll have a ministry page or something. But link your, um, you know, the Lord is speaking through you in a mighty way. He's, he's growing up sons and daughters in the ways of the Lord just by being in relationship with you. And that's something the resting place does a good job of uh, modeling that, that it's about relationship and family. Um, so I appreciate you very much and yeah, we'll have you on more often. So we'll do an in-person one at some point. Maybe, maybe I'll bring my stuff to the church and we can learn to do it. I'm, I'm learning this, right? I'm, every time I do one of these, it's, I'm more comfortable. I'm getting better with the editing process. I, you know, I'm learning as I go. So it's fun. I felt like this is something I wanted to do. And the main thing for me was, um, I really want to release the, the testimonies of heaven that can encourage other people's hearts, but also the resources of heaven. So I want to start putting stuff on my website, you know, books that I've enjoyed, teachers like Andrew Womack, like link to things, link to the TRP page that people can go and peruse and find resources. Like if it bless me, it'll bless them. I mean, if you're in a place of your life where you're struggling to believe that God loves you as you are, then ragamuffin gospel and Abba's child will, will heal your heart, you know? So um, there's so many good resources out there. And, um, you know, I just want to be a conduit to, be a place to have those all in one place and people can find them and definitely be good. So. Oh yeah. That it's, I'm, I love this. It's wonderful idea. And maybe one day we could do a glory one where I'll just speak yeah. about my glory encounters. I'm yeah. really like trying not to even go there. Cause you know, if I zap out, we're going to go <laughs> for hours. We'll do a night one. Maybe like we'll start at 10 o'clock and we can do it live. So we can have it be the one you do live and just talk to people on Facebook and you can share it on your page and it'll just be live. I'm learning. We can do that one like that. Yeah. It'll, it'll be amazing. I love yeah, though. Yeah. I love introducing people to the word of the Lord. I love um, speaking to people about the tone of God. Cause to, a lot of people know the word, but to know his voice is what's going to make the difference. And, and in, 
I love because the Lord taught me that through his own voice. He goes, speak to my people this way. And I'm like, okay, this might work, you know? And and it brings such a joy. It literally um, illuminates people's minds and mm-hmm. people go, whoa, I've never heard the word in such beauty. And he's beautiful and everything he's created, it's beautiful in its time. And we just got to discover the beauty. And when we discover the beauty, we discover the love of God, not like in a religious way, but like, this wholeness type of way, then it's then you could speak for hours. Nobody needs to even train you. You don't need to go to school to learn it. You catch fire. And all you could do is bring the revelation of the beauty of the Father. And then it, it goes endless. So yeah, we would totally could could uh have a, a glory night one day and it's yeah. gonna rock people's worlds. Not because of us, yeah. because all we're doing is no, ushering no, no. the very presence of Abba into people's I lives. Think- the more you you've met people, you're like that. When you hug Abraham, you feel the presence of God. You know, I have been blessed to have met a lot of men and women of God, traveled the world, been a part of different groups. But you know, it's a small percentage of people that live that prayer closet, intimate life where they they know God in an intimate, powerful way. And you know, there's certain people that, that Jesus just oozes out of them, and we are all growing into that because right? we should be. <laughs> Um, and that's something that you do. You exude God comes out of your body and your pores. And it's hard to be in your presence without, you know, feeling the joy of the Lord. And I think that's powerful because we all should be aspiring to spending more time with the Lord and letting him come out of us. Um, I think it's just renewing your mind and believing that he's in us because, um, I was listening to Justin Paul Abraham today and it was sort of like, we had this idea of the age of the prophets where we all needed to hear something from the prophets but you know jesus said the you know the whatever it's already done now why do we have jesus why did john say you need no man to teach you the anointing you receive will teach you all things so when pastors and teachers preach and teach it's getting to our spirit and uh, uh, helping us awake up and hear the truth but the goal is that they're leading us to the water to get it for ourselves you know they're not trying to we don't need them to feed us anymore if we get to a place where we're going to the source so that's all leaders should be doing is living their life in a way and calling us to um, to that place of getting it for ourselves. And of course, we need encouragement and words and we need leaders and people like that. I'm not saying we don't need messages, but the messages should just be encouraging what the Lord's already speaking to you and growing in you. And uh, of course, we need pastors to teach, but you know what I mean. Um, get us to co- to seek it for ourselves and when you get it from people like yourself, it makes you want to go there yourself as well. Um, and, and we need to hear that we all can do that. We don't, we don't need a priest anymore. We need the Holy Spirit. Man. We're all priests and kings, and we can all walk in it. Well, have a wonderful night um, for your worship practice. Um, I would like to say give us a blessing, give us a prayer, and, uh, and end it on a good note. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. Such a joy. I feel just the joy of God exploding right now, yeah, even in my being. So I'll just release a quick prayer. Uh, Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving us, for choosing us, for raising us up for such a time as this. We know that this is our time, this is our season, because you have spoken it, because you have led us to this place. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are listening, Lord, that they would just feel encouraged, that they will feel empowered to pursue 
what you are doing in their lives, Father God. You are looking for them to already arise and shine, to follow your voice. Father God, we pray for the stirring of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. We pray for a refreshing for those that feel like they're dried up. Your word says, Lord, that you turn deserts into rivers. So we pray even now that those deserts that they feel like they're going through in their lives will be turned into overflowing rivers of joy. In the name of Jesus, I pray for these things. Amen. 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 <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to add that, um, God, I just thank you for that word that you gave me last night. And I just ask that you would encourage um, wake people up to their identity and and mainly to this confidence that that we have in you lord that you're our confidence and and as the wind and the waves come that we would be confident in you lord and like shadrach meshach and abednego said even if you do not rescue us we will not live in fear we will not bow and that that's the attitude of this day that we need to have lord that believers would would grow in that confidence in you that no matter what happened they wouldn't let it shake them, Lord. They would look to Jesus in the boat, being still, knowing his Father's in control. That's just what I declare over everybody right now, <laughs> that we are, we are just little children and our Father's in control. In Jesus' name. <laughs> if you're interested in joining us for uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Gay Pride on March 25th, you can go to uh, www.trpfamily.org. Once you get to the website, look for the Move with Compassion tab under Ministries. You'll be able to click on that link. It'll lead you to a Facebook page event where you'll be able to purchase the God Adores You shirt. So if you have any questions or concerns, you can also write to me at abraham at trpfamily.org. Thank you. All right. Hi, thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe to the Seeker of Truth podcast. And also visit our website, seekeroftruth.co, for more information about all of our guests and how you can hear more from them. I pray this conversation encouraged, uplifted, and inspired you to pursue truth at a deeper level. <laughs>